Welcome back to another episode of the Jewish Moves Podcast. This week's episode is with Jeff Seidel. Since 1982, Jeff has done Kirv in Israel and helped tens of thousands of Jews find Shabbos meals there. He's also offered free tours and classes through his Jewish student centers at Hebrew U in Jerusalem, Tel Aviv University, Ben-Gurion University in Beersheba, and IDC in Herzliya. He's authored the Jewish Traveler's Resource Guide, which lists Shabbos placement programs around the world. You've probably seen him at the Koto, and you've probably seen him in so many more settings. Jeff has done so much more than we mentioned, and we'll hear about some of that coming up. Thank you for joining, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. Thank God. Thank you for having me. I want to make one small correction, okay? You said that I'm at Hebrew and at, you know, IDC. I am there, but I'm not affiliated with these universities. I want to make that clear as, you know, I'm like across the street. I'm across the street. I'm an organization for all these years that is affiliated, not as, as, an, as like, an, uh, what do you call it? An outsource for all these students. And much as I go on campus and talk to the kids and my staff goes on campus, we have all these young people coming for programs. Um, we are not considered part of the university. Okay. I want to make that clear. And I'm, I can, I can only thank my, my staff even now that as IDC university, now it's called Reichman university has no school going out because now it's like exam, over the summer, Israelis take exams. It's not like an American system where like, you might have two weeks of exams and then you're off until September 1st, till Labor Day. Israel's different. Exams, classwork finishes, and exams are like, a, a, like rolling through the whole summer. But there's no classroom. And I can just thank my, my staff. They send me all these pictures every week of still giving classes while no other organization uh, is doing classes in the summertime. We are the ones, at, right? But I, I, I tip my hand, I thank my staff for that. I give them, you know, kudos, whatever you want to say. Yashikoa. Wow, that's awesome. And uh, if it's okay, we'll start with your days in college. I think that you got a bachelor's and higher degree in psychology and even had your thesis published somewhere. Was the plan even then to go into Kirov or is that something that developed a little bit later? Well, you th- you've done your homework on me, huh? I better watch what I say here. Um, well, I've always, let me tell you, I've always been involved in outreach in some way, okay? I mean, even as a young boy, I went to like a, um, a they call in Chicago, a traditional synagogue. Maybe it's like a conservative sort of synagogue. And I wanted to make sure at 13 years old that my bar mitzvah was not going to be on a Shabbos because I didn't want people driving to my bar mitzvah on Shabbos. So I was always doing something for young people. You know I mean? Helping everybody out, even when I was a young man. It's really nice. At what point did you start to realize that you'll do this when you grow up and shift into a full-time role of this? I have to correct you. I haven't grown up yet. Um, I, I guess, you know, don't laugh, but I came to Israel. I, my, my master's thesis is published at 20 years old in a psych journal. Like, you know, psychosomatic, psychosomatic symptoms of stress. Okay, so I have that under my belt at 20 years old, and then I was getting my, my PSYD in psychology. And don't laugh, I came to Israel on a psychology convention, okay, in the summertime. And I said, you know what? After that, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I want to help young Jews. You have to know who you are. In psychology, to be a psychologist, you have to know who you are. And as I was getting more into it, know who I am more. And I said, this is not what I want to do. 
I want to I want to help young Jewish people out instead of giving psychometric tests to everybody or therapy to everybody or you know or in the psych I was working in psych hospitals doing therapy on people. I said, you know, I don't want it anymore. That's a great story. Did you take the job full time or do you do something on the side? Who has time to do anything on the side? My night, I come home at three in the morning a lot of time, three, four in the morning. I mean, and, and I got I got to be at Minion. I, I run the, um, I'm in charge of the Minion as, as really chorus I told, because when I was saying Kaddish to my father, so eight o'clock, I got to hit that Minion. At quarter to eight, I got to be at the show to make sure the Minion's going every morning. Uh, I have no time for anything. I, I have to fundraise and then I go in town or I go, I go to the clubs at night a lot of times, you know, and I have to talk to the kids because that's where the young people are. I go, I like to go where they are, where they are. And, um, I go to, I go to Tel Aviv, let's say twice a week, just to talk to the kids because the majority of kids this summer in Israel are in Tel Aviv doing internships, you know, with the onward Israel secular program. And there's other programs there, Tamid program. And I get to know those young people. Oh. Then I get to work with them. And I like, I got to tell you, um, I, I'm really excited. I'm, you know, if you're going to ask me what, what's new on the horizon, I'm extremely, extremely excited because as Hebrew University and Tel Aviv University have less kids studying abroad uh, in, in this, you know, during the year, um, especially Hebrew University, it's really kind of like getting less and less and less and less Americans there. Tel Aviv still has a large amount of people there. And we have, we have at Tel Aviv University, my staff, a large presence there now. But they're moving. The trend is now to go to Barcelona and Madrid and Florence and these sort of places. So I spent my whole summer, I, I mean, with a piece of paper in my, in my pocket, and writing kids' names down who were spending the summer doing internships, and then will be in Barcelona, Madrid, and Florence, Berlin, all these different places. And normally, for many years, we take young people from Hebrew and Tel Aviv University on our Poland trip. Now, we've, as of last year, we've expanded it to young people in Barcelona, Madrid, Florence, Rome, Berlin, all these different places. And I have lists of kids now telling me how they're interested. Does not mean they're going to go, but interested for both first semester and second semester from Barcelona and Madrid and Florence, Italy, and Tel Aviv University who want to go on this trip. And a large amount of kids are going to be in Madrid this upcoming, you know, September semester. And right now, the way it's going, if I can do all the logistics, I'll probably be there for Rosh Hashanah with the students in Madrid. Leave Israel. I'm not going to Uman at all. I'm going to be in Madrid to run uh, Rosh Hashanah services for the young people there and meals at nighttime for them. Sorry to interrupt this episode with a quick ad. If you share podcasts or any form of audio content online and are looking for a way to expand your listener base, this is for you. You can start a dial-in service that allows listeners to call in from America, Israel, or anywhere else in the world. It's easy to set up and maintain, easy for your listeners to access, and is run by a team with great customer service. As you may have seen in the episode descriptions on Jewish Moves or elsewhere, we also have a dial-in through this company that runs very smoothly. To find out more information on setting up a hotline and pricing, reach out to info at phonelightpodcast.com. 
That's I-N-F-O at phonemypodcast.com. Now back to the episode. Wow, that sounds really nice. Not nice, it's exciting. Exciting, exciting also. It, 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 I'm, I'm it, curious. It can, help, it can help young people because when the, I have to explain to you one more thing. I apologize, I'm cutting you off. When these young people go to those cities, there basically is no Judaism for them. None. And if I don't go and set things up for them, and you just reminded me, I have to work on a, on a podcast for these kids in Europe. This way they have some like this once a week because I'm going to go there, let's say, for Rosh Hashanah. And then we'll take them, let's say, to Poland, and I might come back for Hanukkah with them, give out menorahs, you know, you know what I mean? But I'm going to have, my staff is going to also go there. If I don't go one time for Shabbat, they're going to go in my place, okay? Um, it's, I, these kids need the Judaism. If not, they'll sit for four, four months from September to December with no Judaism. So, wow. I, I, it's, it's it really, yeah. Sounds exciting. I think a lot of people who know you, as you mentioned already, um, it's through getting Shabbos meals. And I have a lot of friends that were helped by you in that regards and, and still appreciate it to this day. What was it like in the earlier days? What were you doing in your early cure of days? And was there ever a challenge that made it a little more difficult or threw the whole thing into question at the start? When I first started, I, when I first started, I would be, I'd be at the Western Wall night and day picking up college kids, picking up young people, talking to them, you know, two kids from Michigan, one from Rutgers, you know, this sort of thing. That dried up. If anybody tells you it's, it's, not, it's not happening. A lot of kids come now on birthright or they do internships, okay? So with birthright, in order for me to get my hands on them and to get into their face, we happen to give out through, through one of my sponsors, one of my donors and close friends, Mr. Asher David Milstein, who's also, who's also his name is on my center here and at Hebrew University, in memory of his brother, we give out uh, different Siddharim and, and books on Jew Got Questions. And now we just got the chief rabbi, his, his, his organization, Chief Rabbi South Africa, called us up and asked us to please give out his new book, A Day to Create Yourself. So now we do that, but, but this wasn't like that. And now, years ago, I meet you at the Kota and I tell you to come down to the Western Wall, like tonight, let's say eight o'clock to get a meal. Okay, now with computers and everything, or WhatsApps and stuff, I, the kids sign up ahead of time. Since COVID, most of the families wanna know who's coming to their table ahead of time. Now, it, you know, it's, it's good and bad, the positive thing about it is that when I go fundraising in America, I'm sitting there all Thursday night slash Friday morning to maybe 10 o'clock in the morning, still getting kids meals. They sign up online and then I get their information also, or I can see what kind of person they are. So that's a big difference than it was when I first started. I'd sit the all day long and night. And at night I still would go in town, you know, to like Ben Yehuda Street and over there and talk to the young, talk to the people. Now I go to the shuk or I go to Tel Aviv, to the clubs in Tel Aviv. It sounds like technology has really helped you. Uh, we've been discussing the Shabbos meals, so I'll stay with that for a second. How do you find so many families to host Shabbos meals? And are they always making food in case someone comes? Or do you always find a person for each family? I think years ago they used to make extra food a little bit. Okay? And the families are all, they, 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 give, they give their hearts out to these young people. Okay? They really do. I, 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 I don't appreciate them. I should appreciate them much more. 
all, all you know, all my families, you know, um, but you know, it's like about a hundred people a week I'm taking care of basically every single week. Okay. And I have to, I'm always on the prowl, always, always looking for new families to take guests. And I'm, you know, and families do sometimes know that if they're down for three people, Jeff Seidel sends them five. Now, they know that a little bit by now. You know what I mean? Or I might yeah. knock on their door and say, I have one more person that can add them to your table. You know? Yeah. And, wow. and we're setting, and we're, one second, and we're setting up people, you know, in Tel Aviv, Haifa. This week, I've set up people, like I said, in Tel Aviv and Haifa. Budapest, I set somebody up already this week. And somebody called me up or messaged me. He messaged me. He filled out a form, getchabot.com. He needed a place in New York City. So I got him a place in New York City yesterday. That's amazing. I'm curious. You mentioned that you're stationed all over Israel and are also helping to place people on different continents around the world. Does Kiev change at all depending on where someone's coming from or where they are now? Or do you apply the same approach to every individual? I mean, every, every individual is special and their own person who they are and has, has their own needs. Okay. And I, or my, and my staff, and I have a staff, I don't, I don't do this all myself. Okay. Cause, and I have pieces of paper in my pocket that I write in my hand, I write here, but I try to keep it organized with my staff and they keep me organized. Um, it is a little different now. Kids, kids are not searching as much as they used to be. They're not looking for answers to their questions on Judaism. Does God exist? You know, these, these sort of things. They're looking, they, they have, they still have questions about it, you know, but they want to know like, what does Judaism, what does Judaism say about this or that? But they're not asking about the essence of God. Not like it was years ago. Is there a way to combat that? I've heard some people say that the only way to counter that is to show people a Shabbos meal loving family is that the approach you've taken as well? Relationships. These kids rely on relationships. You can carve somebody maybe just as much by being a good friend of theirs. I mean, you got to push it. You got to you know push them or interest them in the different Judaism. But these kids are looking and they're happy. That's why they like me so much. I, I think because I'm a I'm a nice friend of theirs, and they know they can rely upon me. They can ask me a, a, a lot of questions to help them out while they're here in Israel. Oh, Jeff, I need to get, I need to get a gift for my father. Where can I buy him a, a talus bag? Or Jeff, you know, we're traveling over here, over there. Is there anything, is there anything there for, for the high holidays? Right? You know, kids will tell me. One girl already asked me, because I asked her where she's going to be studying, um, you know, first semester, because I want to have her join my Poland trip. This is Thursday, this is Wednesday night. I was on the rooftop uh, with these college students. They had a party, a farewell party, and they invited me. Okay, now they invited me because they like me and because I build a relationship up with them. And, and they're not afraid of me or intimidated by me. I guess maybe because I'm short and bald I, and I wear a suit, I don't know why, but they're not intimidated by me. And because I already gave her names in Argentina. She's going to a new place she wants to go. She's already been to Spain and Italy traveling around, you know, and she and and England and, and all those places. France, I want to go to Argentina. She told me, I gave her names of different people in Argentina already for the high holidays. Um, I, I assume that she'll go for a meal, one meal at night. Um, I, I'm not sure if she'll go to services. She might she might go to school. 
I assume that some of these kids, believe it or not, which is maybe hard for people to believe. And as much as I love my students so much, and I'm always their, their lawyer, I'm always defending them. A lot of them will go to school on Rosh Hashanah. Okay. The Yom Kippur, they probably will not go. Okay. I don't think those services on Yom Kippur, unless they know where to go, but they will probably go to Rosh Hashanah's uh, school during, during a weekday. And I had a boy and a young fella uh, years ago who did not go to school on Rosh Hashanah. He told me, I don't think he went to Shul though, but I bought him a pair of, him, he paid, we, we, we went 50, 50 on a pair of tefillin. And because he did not go to school, he still put the tefillin on, on Rosh Hashanah. He didn't know any better. Wow, that's impressive. Is there a story or two that sticks out from all your years doing this that uh, represents extreme success? I, I remember I, I had a couple of young girls, young women who live in who live in Chicago, and they told me. And I met him like you know in the clubs in here in Jerusalem. This is years ago. I met him in in the Jerusalem at Hebrew University. She told me it sticks in my mind. She tells me that one of the hardest things was when she went to the Chabad Rabbi University of Wisconsin was that they wore their dresses on Saturday afternoon and they had to walk by the football field and everybody, you know, the stadium and everybody was going to the football game and they felt a little bit, you know, not odd, but different than, you know, than everybody else. And look at and these young people now, uh, these two young women, they're married from very from families and, and their kids are learning in different Colwells here in Jerusalem. Wow, that's amazing. You know, I mean, I had people who came, I know people who came for one meal. I, I met a guy, I met a guy last week here. Okay. He says, that meal you gave me, Jeff, 25 years ago, still sticks in my mind. And I do Friday night, every Shabbos, I make Friday night Kiddush and have a meal. And I married a Jewish woman because of you. Okay. Wow. Another, another woman, woman stuck her head in my office. I have like, you know, a ground floor. So I have bars here. Couple of years ago, she says, Jeff, I don't think you remember me. And I'm looking at her, I have no idea. She says, I came from Tel Aviv University and you put me by a certain family in David's village. And I remember them. First, I want their address. I want to talk to them right now because through them, I went back and forth for Shabbos by them in David's village. And they now live in Renata, the family. And because of them, I'm religious. And I'm here helping out my daughter who's on a camp. And she was like a nurse, she told me. So she was here in Israel. I just said hello to me. And she says, all my brothers married non-Jewish people. I married as you. And because also my father and mother told me I have to go to Israel to study in Israel and I, at Tel Aviv University. And I did not even want to. I wanted to go you know, to Greece and study in, in Greece. But my parents said, if you're studying anyway, it'll be in Israel. And I met you on campus. You came on campus, even though they don't let you they don't let you on campus too much, or they try to stop you. You still came and got us got us all meals uh, at Tel Aviv University. Those are great stories. Uh, running it now after doing it for so many years, are there challenges that come up every day, or is it more of you're still answering the questions and connecting the people? But at this point, it's almost repetitive. Not repetitive at all. Every day, every day is a different journey, a different adventure for me, and that's that's and that's the truth. I meet different people. I guess, I guess the real challenge is, is keeping that energy up because as I get older, it gets harder. You know, and I, don't, I don't have the same energy. I did, I, I noticed that I used to come home at like two, three o'clock in the morning. Now I'm coming home at 
at around quarter to two at night in, in the morning. That's late. I think it's early. You know what I mean? I mean, the other night, I will tell you, the other night I came out four o'clock in the morning, and I am honestly got blessed, blessed that my beautiful wife, Panina, lets me do all these crazy things. I don't mean crazy, all these things out of the ordinary, you know, to come home, you know, three or four nights a week so late, at, you know, like three, four, three, four in the morning. I mean, I remember sometimes when my kids were younger, she'd come home so late, so late, and I would always, now my kids are all grown up. And I would always take care of my kids in the morning, you know, walk into school. And I remember a lot of times like on Thursday nights, I came home late in town because Thursday night's a big night here in Jerusalem. And I'd have to sleep on the couch just for my girls to wake me up and take them to school. You know what I mean? Wow, that's crazy. Right. But that has to get done. I mean, I, I also, I'm an individual and I hate, I hate with a passion missing an opportunity if you would say to me right now jeff you got to go see other, that's why i'm going to madrid if i, if I go to madrid for, for russia because i want those kids and i know that okay if you would say jeff you got to go russia shana and you got to go for yom kipper or you know maybe maybe to barcelona a different city okay then if i have to and i assume my wife will give me permission then i'm going i'm going i wouldn't i hate missing opportunities because that means we can save a Jew. We can, you know, don't forget also that this person, you, you and I don't know this person, but his challenge might be just to marry a Jewish person, Jewish woman, Jewish girl, right? And they just had the statistics just came out. It was in the Jerusalem Post. It was a story in the Jerusalem Post how like America's 70% intermarriage. Europe was 50% intermarriage. I think Israel is... 5% intermarriage. It's probably 5% intermarriage in Israel, probably because we're at war with the Arabs, you know, who are not, you know, who want to kill us, who are not Jewish, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's probably why it's so low. But I mean, I gotta tell you, honestly, I don't sleep much, but I don't sleep if I hear these, these, these sort of statistics, or I don't sleep much. I remember years ago, if I would make a mistake, let's say, when I come home Friday night, my mind is sitting there still as I'm making Kiddush or singing Shalom Aleichem, Aisha's Chayel, and I don't have a good voice, I will tell you that also. Um, if I think I made a mistake placing a kid in the wrong kind of wrong kind of family, wrong Shidduch family for that young person, I won't sleep that night. Oh, I should have put him here, put him there. Why did I put him there? It's a great family over there, but he would have done much, much better over there. I, I, I won't sleep nights. That's impressive. We'll try to finish up with a few more questions as I know your time is very valuable. Recently, I heard you referred to as the King of the Kotel, and I think nicknames for you is not something new. As an article in the 1996 February edition of the Jewish News referred to you as the Hunter of the Kotel, is there a nickname you got over the years, either from a media circuit or from the people, that's uh, your personal favorite? Listen, I'm called the Hunter by the left wing who wanted to take me to court. Because the translation of what I do is to look for people. And the Sa'id in Hebrew, it's called the hunter. That's how they were, they were trying to, they were gonna take me to court, uh, some of the students for being a hunter, like at Hebrew University, okay? In the end, it got thrown out of court. We never, it never made it. Okay. Um, now the college kids call me the goat. Okay? That's a, that's a good one. That, yeah, that's, that's a new one. But as long, I, don't, I don't care what they call me, as long as they know who I am. 
as long as they know they can rely upon me and my staff, that we are the go-to people. Like the guy called, like, like, like these people, like these, like these Americans were here, the ones who called me, please, Jeff, give me a place in Budapest for Shabbat. Or, or so another girl, another girl, um, another outreach organization in Arizona mentioned to me that you're in Barcelona, Jeff. We have one of our students going there. Can you please take care of her? Sure. So I called several people up in Barcelona and the young girl who's studying there in September will be in touch with these people uh, for classes and for Shabbat. Okay. As long as I don't care what they call me. Okay. And that's why, listen, you're going to laugh when I tell you. That's also one of the reasons why I go at night to some of these clubs because everybody is talking. Jeff Seidel is here. The goat is back. Okay. People walk out me for pictures. I don't mind. Right. I mean, and then that, it, and that word is out that this guy is here. Jeff is here in our play. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, it's, it's, all for, it's, all, it's all for networking and promotion. It's why I do it. I don't even know. Don't laugh. I'm old already. I don't even know the music they're playing. Not my, not my generation at all. Oh, man. I think one of the things that stands out to people who go on your website is the pictures with the Rolling Stones, Jay Leno, Robert Kraft, and so many more. How did those pictures come to be, and how did they end up on the front page of your website? Uh, people call me up and say, Jeff, do you know that? Let's say Robert Kraft. I know I, Mr. Kraft is, he has been in the past, has been a sponsor, a donor of our programs. His granddaughter was at also Tel Aviv University and uh, studying at M Michigan. And she came on our, and she came on our, um, our, our trip to Poland and even came back a year later through the other Jewish organization in uh, Michigan and went for a couple, went, you know, for a week or two to seminary, you know? So uh, people call me up and they'll say, this Jeff, this person's in town, you gotta meet him for a picture, just so also it's recognition. Oh, Jeff Seidel was with this person, that person, you know? Mm -hmm. um, they called me up, a couple, of, a couple of NBA basketball players were in town like, about a month ago. And they called me up, Jeff, come over for some pictures with them, okay? Um, huh. Okay, and if it's okay, we'll wrap up with uh, two more questions. Um, I, if, if, I'm only answering. I'm only answering your questions if it's going to help someone get closer to Judaism. That was going to be my next question. It was very clear when we were planning this episode that you were only willing to do this if that's what was best for Yisrael. And you said that as soon as you were uh, going to hang up, that you're going to go and get more people at the Kotel for Shabbos meals. Is there a Muster Safer article, book, or something that you derive this inspiration from that you would recommend to the listeners? I can tell you a couple of things, but they're not muster savers that inspire me. I get, but they're not muster savers, but they really okay. inspire me. Okay. I don't know if I told people this. I, I don't, okay. But when I was growing up as a young boy, there was a big movement at that time. Uh, the black power movement. I don't know if you heard about it. When I was a kid, not, not the movement today of black lives matter, but there was black power. This is in the sixties maybe early seventies. Okay. And it was, they wanted the black people to know who they were, black heritage, you know, roots, know who you are, where you come from. And I asked, and I asked my dad to grow my brother at that time. Also, I don't get it. This, you know, here we are Jews, like in the minority in the world, but where's the Jewish pride? Where's the Jewish power? How come we don't have it? And I have in my office in the old city, a picture of three athletes, three athletes. Someone told me right now that one of them went to her college 
I think Santa Monica, Santa Monica College, three athletes in the Olympics, I believe it was the 1968 Olympics, okay? And two of them are black uh, individuals who won, like, I guess it was a relay race, one's a white gentleman. And they have their hand up, the two black gentlemen, as black power. Where is today, and then today, the Jewish power and the Jewish pride and the Jewish respect that each one of us need to have? I still ask it to this day. And why, oh, why, are, more, why are more people lost, in a sense, also, let's say, really not sticking up for who we are as Jews? It, 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 I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And it hurts me every, it, it bothers me every single day. So one of, it's one of the things I ask Hashem for is for answers to help me please with this. Because I, the Jewish, there's nothing else in the world but Klai Israel. Nothing else. Klai Israel's the game. And I hope more and more people start to realize that. That Hashem wants us all and each person is extremely important. Important. Very nice. Wow. Conclude with the, the question that ends every episode, which is that, You've been interviewed by other people and uh, literally day in and day out, you're asked questions for over a dozen hours a day about everything that anybody can think of. But even though you're asked so many questions, there are always things people are never asked that they wish they were. So looking back at everything you have been asked, what's a question you've never been asked that you wished you were and what answer would you give to it? Oh, I have no, no idea. I don't know. You know, the next question people ask about is what am I, when am I going to retire? Because I'm 65 oh. already. I'm 65 already. And uh, like I said, it gets hard to play those night games and day games sometimes, right? Yeah. And, uh, but, pe but people are saying, you're not retiring. You can't, re I, people told me, I says, can I slow down a little bit? They told me, because sometimes I feel, you know, a little, not off, but I just feel exhausted some days. And they told me, no, you are a koach, you are an energy, uh, you know, you're almost like, you know, the joke is I'm like sometimes nonstop, you know, I'm like, a, I wake up on automatic go and get moving until at night, till late at night. So I, I, I don't know. I, I can't answer that question. You know, it's understandable. Hopefully you can continue to have co-op and success running this and being Makari for many more people and establishing a lot more Jewish pride. Is there anything you want to mention before we end a place people can uh, find you? You can just look me up. You know jeffsidel.com or you might you know you might see um, a poster you know right now right now one of our posters is um we just did uh the barbie the barbie poster and we just did also this new movie uh, o o oppenheimer oppenheimer because i'm always trying to keep trendy Thank you for listening to this past episode of the Jews Schmooze podcast. To get our latest updates and contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at Jews underscore schmooze. If you want to sponsor an upcoming episode, you can reach out to Jews Schmooze Marketing at gmail.com. And if you give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on, that will be tremendously appreciated. Thank you so much, and hope you're looking forward to the next episode also. Mm -hmm.